The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. All right. So welcome to our third Kalyanamita session. It's nice to see everyone again. And we'll just um, begin with any comments or questions that you had from the uh, material that we went over last week, and which, which was suggested as homework, which was to read uh, the suttas that we had compared in class, the Megiya Sutta and the Digajanu Sutta. And also, um, if you were so inclined to practice some metta at home, or you know, during your time this week, is anyone bringing in any comments or thoughts from all of that? Yeah, Nancy. If this is a more appropriate question for later, let me know. Um, when I was reading the suttas uh, from last week and um, doing our, uh, not homework, what did we decide to call it? Friendly practices. Friendly practices. I um, was wondering who wrote the suttas? Who wrote I mean, them down? Yeah. Or who originally composed them? Because they were both spoken first. For some centuries. Okay, so the uh, other teachers are welcome to comment, but they're generally understood to have been memorized and spoken by Ananda, um, the Buddha's attendant and cousin who had an excellent memory. And after the Buddha died, they got together soon after that and kind of gathered up his teachings, and Ananda apparently spoke these. So when it says, Thus have I heard at the beginning of the suttas, the I is Ananda. But they weren't written down for another few centuries after that. Um, they were actually first written down in Sri Lanka. By? Uh, monks at that monastery. What was the name of that monastery? It's not Abhayagiri, it's the other one. The other one. Anyway. <laughs> by monastics who had been carrying, you know, this was an oral tradition for centuries, and so a lot of people knew parts of the canon, or some people knew the whole canon. They had that kind of ability back then Um, and at some point it became clear that it was important to write it down because there were various threats to Buddhism that's actually kind of why it ended up being centered on Sri Lanka because India was having trouble and they they wrote it down as a means of preserving they didn't choose a very durable medium they chose banana leaves (laughs) Um, but it worked uh, Mm -hmm. for 26, 2300 years now amazing I'm glad you asked that, actually, because I'll take the chance to say that for me, when I kind of take that in um, and that understanding that people have people have carefully preserved these things, not just verbally, but even the written forms have to be copied, and you know, and that means by hand, for centuries through different countries, through wars, through all these things that were happening, and they've come to us. Now, it doesn't mean they're exactly, literally, word for word how they were back then. Who knows? But... I just feel this amazing long connection to all these people who cared so much about these teachings that they put their life energy into preserving them for us. Yeah. (gasps) 
Anything else? Yeah, Arthur. I have to turn it on. Can you turn it on, Arthur? I have a question. Um, um, so I've, I, we see it here. Um, the Buddha speaks uh, the importance of spiritual friendships or who one spends time with. Um, um, I don't know that I've ever heard, and maybe it's in here and difficult to um, pull out, uh, um, but is there any place he gives the reason why uh, uh, this is so much a part of the spiritual life? Go ahead. Ying has a microphone. I'm nodding my head, yes, but uh, do you want to say? Here. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll, I'll say quickly, there's a number of answers to this, Arthur. And um, one is, like we saw in the Digajanu, um uh, sutta, like if you hang out, this is you know obviously colloquial language. If you spend time with people who are ethical, uh, have faith, uh, have wisdom, and are generous, you tend to be ethical, have wisdom, have generosity, and faith. I think I have these right. So it's just this pointing out these four particular qualities are one that gets. Um, we're influenced by our peers and people that we spend with us. So that's one place. And we haven't talked about it specifically yet in this class, but uh, you might be familiar with this, that um, the Buddha also says that, well, if you spend time with a good spiritual friend, quote-unquote, that friend will support you in the Eightfold Path, So, which is also some um, practices, as you know, that kind of supports liberation. So he's pointing towards very specific qualities and practices that other people can influence us in. And there's more I can say about that, but maybe that's um, what I'll say at this this point. Was is that helpful? I don't know if this was on your mind, but um, you know, what about all those monks who practice alone in the caves and the forest, right? Um, my sense is that even in that case, there's there's been maybe some preparation of learning or being guided by a teacher ahead of time, but also that Kalyanamita can begin to take on a more abstract connection to nature or connection to texts or other things. There are ways in which we're supported in our practice. And I think we're going to maybe even talk about some of that today mostly in terms of people, but that there's, you know, we understand, it's under general understandings that we don't do this alone. Yeah. Add to it. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, but, um, I have two. So mine is one. Yeah. Okay, so that's better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And, and something uh, for me personally is to kind of a, uh, also a sense that this practice, even though uh, when we're practicing alone, um, it's not so personal. It's a it's um, it's a sense that it's an almost like an uh, impersonal practice, and so it's a practice that all of us engage in. Uh, even though it has a personal aspect of it. And so this Kalyanamita also for me is a sense that dropping the boundaries of self and others and can, can allow the practice to work each other, work all of us and that are engaged in it. And that's the other sense that I have, but it's not based on the sutta. But that's kind of my own... Uh, interpretation of it or my own understanding uh, of it to some to some extent I mean it's it's a lot it's it's easy to um, perhaps delude yourself that you're really practice, you're very far along, and then it's in relationship that you find really the limit of that, right? And, oh, I thought it was really generous, because I think generous thoughts all the time, but mm, when it comes to actually, you know, doing it, maybe I'm a little stingier than I thought, or it's only in practice that that becomes obvious to me. Yes. To be reminded. Uh-huh. Um, um, Hillary's question, uh, a response actually, it gets to uh, a, a point uh, uh, that I was thinking, uh, uh, and that is that. Um, uh, the colloquial, the, 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 the general wisdom is, um, worldly wisdom is you don't know somebody until you step on their toes. Um, and um, I've heard teachers, including Gill, speak about the nature of uh, living in monasteries and going to try and, in fact, it's somewhere in his book, and trying to escape uh, di- different words than I'm saying. Uh, the difficulties of life only to find they're there. Um, mm-hmm. And I, so I guess what I w- was aiming at was does the Buddha address, uh, and I, I don't know if you know or anybody knows, address that particular issue any, anywhere in, in the suttas? About stepping on toes. Stepping on toes, yes. The, the difficulty of uh, as so the difficulty of living in relationship with others. The, the sort of with the with the rolling pin, the the lady and her maid. Oh yeah. Maybe Kim can just say a few words and then you can 
decide, and then they will let Ying decide what we do next. Oh, okay. Um, no, I think it's good. I think these are good examples. Also, I don't need to add anything. Let's go ahead. I'm not familiar with those examples, so I'll, maybe I'll ask afterwards. Yeah, maybe I'll just say that uh, even in our modern tradition, uh, uh, my understanding is uh, in the uh, Thai tradition, there's a lot of a community um, practice within it uh, based on the uh, veneer, both of studying them and also as a way to live together uh, in ways that is conducive uh, for uh, our well-being. And so that, that emphasis of uh, how we live together with a whole group of other people that you may or may not really um, had a choice to be together, um, but you're put together, and then that is a training ground uh, for all of them, uh, everybody who's engaged in it. Yeah. So maybe we'll dive into um, uh, today's uh, little uh, elements of teaching. And I've um, handed out um, a, a two-sheet uh, handout. So that's also you can have. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, so. It's just a reminder for myself. <laughs> So, we called today's teaching the mandalas of Kalyanamita. And, and, and this is because I think some of this conversation is pointing at the multidimensional aspect of Kalyanamita. And so it's, um, it's a, a rich form of re- relationship. Now, uh, we kind of divided this up into um, three dimensions but I would say it's really difficult for me to say there's only three dimensions and how they nicely <laughs> separated as, uh, yeah, uh, as a kind of a piece of pie. And I'm not totally sure. But I would say that um, in Kalyanamita, in spiritual friendship, these three dimensions uh, can be prominent uh, in um, uh, along the entire spiritual path, and also just in, even in one particular kind of relationship right now that we have, and there is that of relationship of a being supported by spiritual friends. Uh, so, for example, uh, listening to uh, a teaching that uh, one uh, is interested in or inspired to to learn about, and that's maybe a form of a being supported by a spiritual friend. Um, and then the example of a mutual support in the sutta, we kind of shared this example of uh, Anaruddha and, and the three monks who live um, mutually appreciating each other and blending like a milk and water. And, and that was the, the sutta that uh, indicated that they were kind of really supporting each other. Um, For us, even just in this setting itself, the very fact that we all showed up for each other, it's a a mutual support for each other, 
right? And then the um, the last one that uh, we are going to explore as an example is a being a spiritual friend to others, and that is offering some form of a support and inspiration for others who might need this. And you know, Hillary's example of maybe you know we feel like oh, we are generous, but this this other person is offering all different aspects, ways of something to everyone. And maybe that's very inspiring. Uh, Even for someone who's practicing generosity, who's already engaged in it. And so this uh, multidimensional aspect of uh, Kalyanamita, or spiritual friendship, can be present uh, in our relationships, uh, not just at the beginning, or the middle, or the end. It can be in all along the whole path. And so this uh, is something that we will explore today. And so we thought, uh, since we're doing some studying of the suttas, we thought we'll just use some examples of each of this category. And you can also look at in each example, there may be the three aspects that are present, even in those examples. And so um, we'll do some sutta reading today. And so on the next page, um, we have these two suttas that uh, we uh, uh, read before, and we'll just review them today. And that's the, uh, related to the first aspect of being supported by spiritual friends. Um, and this is the uh, the sutta of uh, Dika Janu. Uh, we, um, if we remember that we have this group of lay people who all said, you know, we're enjoying uh, sensual pleasure and <laughs> enjoying garlands and and uh, uh, perfumes. And um, the Buddha uh, asked the Buddha um, for advices to live happily in this life and the future life. And the Buddha talked about uh, four things out of the four things. Uh, one of them is a good friendship. Maybe we'll have a one of you read uh, this a portion from uh, Dikajanu Sutta. Anyone want to read? Okay. Yes. And what is good friendship? It's when a person resides in a town or village, and in that place there are householders or their children who may be young or old, but are mature in conduct, accomplished in faith, ethics, generosity, and wisdom. That person associates with them, converses, and engages in discussion, and they emulate the same kind of accomplishment in faith, ethics, generosity, and wisdom. This is called good friendship. Thank you. Yeah, so this, uh, uh, in a way, if you look at from the perspective who are uh, seeking for advice, uh, you could say this is a relationship of being supported by good friends who's accomplished uh, in faith, ethics, generosity, and wisdom. Um, but you can also see it from the other perspective. Those who are accomplished uh, are the ones who are offering the support for um, the people who needed it. And by engaging in this together, emulating it, behaving in this way, they're supporting each other. 
And so and this relationship can be kind of really seen from different perspectives. Uh, but in one way, and I kind of put it under being supported by good friends, and that we can uh, understand it in this way. But it doesn't have to be uh, this way, uh, just f- uh, as an example. And then the second example is the uh, Magiya Sutta, and that we read a couple of times now. And so maybe we just have someone to read this uh, uh, sutta excerpt. Um, and anybody else want to do? Okay, Beverly. Magaya, when the heart's release is not ripe, five things help it ripen. <clears throat> what five? Firstly, a mendicant has good friends, companions, and associates. A mendicant with good friends, companions, and associates can expect to be ethical. A mendicant with good friends, companions, and associates can expect to take part and talk about self-effacement that helps open the heart. A mendicant with good friends, companions, and associates can expect to have energy for giving up unskillful qualities and embracing skillful qualities. A mendicant with good friends, companions, and associates can expect to be wise. They will have the wisdom, which leads to the complete ending of suffering. Thank you. Yeah, so this is a, um, something that Diana also pointed out from um, uh, the uh, um, As an example, that um, Magia's um, heart release is not ripe, and this is kind of the, the context that this is in. And so, if uh, he's practicing with others, then uh, there is a consequence that I, that they can expect to be ethical, expected to take part uh, in a talk about self-effacement that helps open the heart. Or can expect da 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 da, and so <laughs> so that's kind of um, under the influence one began to kind of engage in this practice as well, and so those are the two suttas that we kind of re- um, uh, read before, and we just picked this out as an example, and so we read a few more sutta um, uh, excerpts um, for the mutually supporting each other. And so that's the next page. And there are three suttas that we picked out uh, for this. One of them we read already, which is the, uh, the second one, uh, excerpted from the uh, Chula Gosinka Sutta, where the three monks live together. And so uh, maybe we will just read the two new suttas uh, excerpts. I apologize for the small font size, but <laughs> okay. Uh, if anyone uh, who is able to read it properly, <laughs> I can read it. Maybe I'll read the first one. <laughs> and so this, the first one is um, from uh, Itavata Vakta, number seventeen. So. It reads like this. 
bhikkhus in regard to external factors, I do not perceive another single factor so helpful as good friendship for a bhikkhu who is a learner, who has not attained perfection but lives aspiring for the supreme security from bondage. Bhikkhus, a bhikkhu who has a good friend, abandons what is unwholesome and develops what is wholesome. When a bhikkhu has a good friend and is uh, reverential and respectful, doing what his friends advise, clearly comprehending and mindful, he may, progress, he may progressively attain the destruction of all fetters. Well, I think uh, as we were discussing about this yesterday, we were having a little hard time to say <laughs> put him right in uh, in the categories of a mutual support or um, support at the beginning. So you can see, you know, it, uh, it feels like this is a situation uh, where uh, the individual is already engaged in the learning, in the practice, um, uh, but uh, it's. Uh, he or she is aspired uh, to move along, move further. And so um, practicing together can help with abandoning unwholesome quality and, and develop wholesome qualities. So depending on how you really um, kind of interpret uh, this, it can be a mutual support as well. And kind of uh, practice together, help us um, develop this kind of uh, good qualities. And so that's one way to interpret it, but it doesn't have to be the only way. And the next one is related to what uh, um, Diana mentioned uh, earlier, uh, which maybe I will read also <laughs> because of font size. <laughs> I apologize. And this is the one, number three, uh, number two, we read it before, so we will uh, skip there. Uh, skip that one for today. Um, you can review that uh, maybe at home. And I will. I will read this um, number three. And so this is from Samyutta Nikaya. Thus have I heard. On one occasion, the blessed one was dwelling among the Sakyans where there was a town of the Sakyans named Nagaraka. Then the Venerable Ananda approached the Blessed One. Having approached, he paid homage to the Blessed One, sat down to one side, and said to him, Venerable Sir, this is a half of the holy life, that is, good friendship, good companionship, good comradeship. Not so, Ananda, not so, Ananda. It, uh, this is the entire holy life, Ananda, that is good friendship, good companionship, good comradeship. When a bhikkhu has a good friend, a good companion, a good comrade, it is to be expected that he will develop and cultivate the Noble Eightfold Path. And so that's another example we kind of um, extracted to indicate that this is a form of mutual support. And later on, the sutta talked about the, the good friends also practicing 
the Noble Eightfold Path. And as a result, one would be practicing as well as part of this and living together. I'm conscious of a time, but maybe the last one, which is an example of being a spiritual friend to others. Um, should we kind of summarize this um, story? Or do we? Yeah, maybe we, we just summarize the story. I did have the, uh, um, the whole sutta here, which you can read uh, about this. But maybe today I will just kind of summarize this uh, um, um, a story between Anuruddha and the Sariputta. These are uh, two um, uh, eminent uh, monks who's been practicing quite diligently. And um, uh, in this case, um, Anuruddha uh, is uh, practicing and is uh, sharing that uh, he's practicing very well, uh, both in terms of uh, energy, the concentration, mindfulness. But he said, my mind is not freed from defilement by not grasping. And so he's kind of still having a little bit of a struggle with this. And so uh, Sariputta, um, as um, a, a fellow practitioner, pointed out to him that uh, there are ways that you're engaging in this that is kind of um, blocking the progress, and you're not seeing the way as they are, the, as the, as the way they are, and so there are certain form of a conceit that is there, and that is your mind is not free. So uh, uh, Sariputta pointed out point by point what he is not seeing and how he is not uh, seeing things as they are. And when um, Anuruddha heard this in, uh, uh, exchange, and he be- began to practice and uh, giving up uh, the grasping that he still has, and that, that his mind is not free, in this way that Anuruddha actually attained enlightenment. And so we used this as an example of uh, Sariputta being a spiritual friend and pointing at things that his spiritual friend is not seeing. And this helped him to move along in the path. So these are just some examples that were pulled out uh, from the sutta. And, um, and there are examples from our, uh, kind of, uh, our own practice as well. So we kind of wanted to hear from our teachers to share a few examples and of this kind of relationship that that um, um, uh, in different forms. It doesn't have to be one of those three dimensions. <laughs> it can be <laughs> uh, other dimensions or other ways. So maybe Ying, maybe we'll um, have them get into small groups and to do some talking, okay. and then then there'll be a little bit more sharing from us. Okay. Does that seem that's, that's fine? Yes. So we'll let you guys kind of explore this topic some. So um, if you want to get into groups of three, and then I'll give you the, some questions. But first, you can just find uh, two other people, and um, yes.
Yeah, it should be equal. Oh, uh, we should have four groups of three. So Kumi has to go to one place and Nancy has to go to one place, maybe. Or... Okay, so here's the question. Here's the, here's the question. So we just talked, um, maybe before I began, I think like, what would it be like if you considered what we're about to do is behaving as a good spiritual friend? Just to have that kind of a mindset, something in your idea if you're about the questions we're about to answer. So the first question is, when you consider um, a spiritual friend, that is somebody that's helped. I mean, we, it can be technical about you know faith, generosity, wisdom, and ethics, or eightfold path, or it could be um, something that's just helped you with your inner life, your spiritual life. The first question is: Can you give an example of where a spiritual friend supported you? And this is less about a long, complicated story. And it's more about the opportunity to bring something to mind. And sometimes when we bring it to mind, there can be a sense of appreciation. Like, oh, yeah, there have been people that have supported me on my path. So, and we'll have the person that is closest to this big window here go first. This question, um, an example, and just a brief example, because we have more questions. Um, of where a spiritual friend supported you. Please begin. No, we stay in uh, your small groups. And now we'll um, do this. There we go. Thank you, Kim. Just turned me on there. So So, um, now the question is, how have you supported others in their spiritual practice? Have you been a, a way to um, support others, either explicitly or implicitly? Sometimes just showing up for meditation is a way in which we support others, or you know, sitting together. But or maybe there's been something a little bit more specific. But to think about that. And then whoever was the next person to go around, and again, you can just say a brief point and then go around and, until, um, until you hear the bell. Thank you. So now, I, <laughs> it's so great how Kim is helping me with all the, the buttons here. I love this mutual support. You're a good friend. Thank you. <laughs> So here's the third question, and maybe it won't come as a surprise, this uh, third question. What are um, some uh, situations of mutual support, including maybe even some of those ones that you were talking about earlier were mutual support? Maybe not, 
maybe they were just something to explore, but do you have some examples of uh, mutual support of people supporting each other? And again, you can just continue going around the circle um, wherever you left off. Thanks.